Greetings. I was trying to do that little Ariana laugh. You know how she does at the beginning of like some of her songs, but I'm not good at it. But in any other sense or whatever that phrase is, hello. How's everyone? Good? Yeah. So today I am discussing the immersive fiction of Rachel Kushner, particularly her book, The Flamethrowers, which is one of my all-time favorite books. I really just admire and adore this book. I first came across it in a course called The Global Novel, and this book really uh, is not a great influence (laughs) on, you know, me and my writing, but it was such a pleasure to read, and I believe Rachel Krishner has an MFA, and I really enjoy this because it doesn't, it's, it's very original in the sense that it doesn't feel like a traditional MFA novel. And what I mean by that is I feel in my own experiences with MFAs that they all are like the generic glass towers that are destroying the city skyline or those generic cookie cutter apartments that are, uh, they all look the same and they all offer similar amenities. And I think, um, the MFA novel is like gentrifying the mind, but that is um, a conversation for another day. And I am considering getting an MFA, so I'm not like hating on it. I'm just, I, I, I want to live in some of those glass towers. Okay. Like I admit it, but this book is so fantastic because it really offered me questions in a natural and easy way that I could really record a podcast on. And I'm calling this book, this episode, The Flamethrowers, The Open Ground, Waking Up to Seeing Things How They Really Are. And so what does it mean to wake up? What does it mean to see things with open awareness? How can we give ourselves permission to see things as they really are? How can we move beyond the dualistic judgments of good or bad, like or dislike, and be present with our lives and in reality? And ultimately, for me, this book gave rise to that question. Even when I read it for the first time, it was like reading, if anyone's ever read, like, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, like, in the eighth grade, and that was, like, such a big step to read at that age. And then as, like, a a young, I don't know, my young adult, I don't know, 20, 21, and reading this as a, I was 20, okay, I was 20 when I read this, and reading this, like, in halfway through college, it was, like, Oh, oh wow. <laughs> this is a really good book and it it led me to ask more questions like how can I develop a new kind of living relationship with what I experience and how can I understand my life more fully and authentically? How can I learn to open and surrender to life and reality and God? And of course, not everyone who reads The Flamethrowers and thinks will think of those questions, but that is why I love fiction. Fiction offers, in the same way meditation does, the opportunity for liberation and freedom and pleasure and learning and growth. And fiction really demands things of its readers. And for each reader, the text demands something. Some some share things amongst all readers, but it 
also takes and demands other things from that individual. And fiction can be just like human relationships are mirrors for us to learn and grow and see ourselves and see our habits are good and bad ones and see the intimacy that is really required in this being human. And so that is why I love fiction. (laughs) And so I want to get into this, this book right away. So we have, I'm going to read the back of the book because, you know, I'm lazy today. The year is 1975, and Reno, so-called because of the place of her birth, has come to New York intent on turning her fascination with motorcycles and speed into art. Ardent, vulnerable, and bold, she begins an affair with an artist named Sandro Valera, the estranged son of an Italian tire and motorcycle empire. When they visit Sandro's family home in Italy, the trail sends Reno reeling into a clandestine undertow. I am in love with Sandro. I, I am. He sucks, but that's probably why I like him so much in this book. I mean, he's rich and a, Italian, and I'm pretty sure he's like 6'5". I mean, it doesn't say that. But I just always felt that he was probably, like, really tall. Um, And so I love Reno because she's great to analyze using contemplative Buddhist psych. And because I'm pretty sure I'm very similar to her. So, like, you know, I get to analyze myself with her. So there's this quote when Reno moves to New York. She asks, do you understand that I'm alone? Then... She thinks, I thought this was how artists moved to New York, alone, that the city was a mecca of individual points, longings, all merging into one great light-pulsing mesh, and you simply found your pulse, your place. So when Rena moves to New York, she feels isolated, and she feels out of place. She says she doesn't belong. And and this is all happening in this chapter called Imitation of Life. And I, I really love the play of chapters in this because as you learn and read about Reno, you really see that that is all she does. She is barely really existing for herself. She's really an imitation of life. She's an imitation of the people around her. She's an imitation of the conversations she, she listens to. Um, she is a wallflower. Um, speaking of wallflowers and the perks of being a wallflower, Reno is a beautiful wallflower, and she has trouble understanding her identity and place in the world. And I love this idea for Reno. I love that her character is named after her place of birth, and it, and it's given to her by a man. Um, like most things in this book, uh, her is, is this interesting gender dynamic. Um, and so because Reno creates a sense of identity and derives a sense of being alive by those around her, by her name, the clothes she wears, the places she goes, the art she makes, the bar she drinks at, the motorcycle she rides, all of this she uses to construct her sense of self and really struggle. And this is why she struggles so much in the book, creating art and finding belonging in in New York in 1975, she wants to be rescued by those around her. She wants to feel real and solid. And God, it was really easy to write all this because I was like, that's me. I want to be rescued by those around me. 
want to be rescued by a rich person, you know? Like, imagine. Imagine a world like that. You know, it's going to happen. That's what I keep telling myself. And this, actually, Reno, I don't know why I keep thinking of other pop culture references, but Reno really reminds me of Mark and the musical Rent in the sense that in one of the last songs, Goodbye Love, as Mimi is dying, Roger and Mark are fighting, and there's this really great dialogue being like, when they're screaming at each other, and Roger says to Mark, he's like, you create, what did he say? You pretend to create and observe when you really detach from feeling alive. And I was like, Reno detaches from feeling alive. She pretends to create because she's scared. So that's another interesting little connection. All this stuff is happening in New York City too. And so one of my favorite lines then later comes from Reno is she writes, she says, I wanted to be led to see the city as he wanted me to see it. And I'm like, that's so relatable. I, of course, want someone rich to lead me through the city, like take me to the the good wine bars and the cocktail bars and, you know, take me to the Michelin star restaurants. Like, I don't care for any of that stuff. But if I have someone rich in my life who's offering then I mean, I'm going to be like a dog with its owner. Oh, sorry, whoever has to listen to this. So why did I call this episode The Flamethrowers in the Open Ground? To waking up, but to seeing things as they really are. And I'm arguing that Reno is asleep, and by that I mean unconscious, and by that I mean unaware of who she really is. Reno doesn't see things clearly. She doesn't see things for what they are. And rather, she sees things for what she wants them to be. So for the final pop culture reference, that explains the opening song. Because in In My Head by Ariana Grande, Ariana sees things for what she wants them to be rather than what they are. How interesting. Um, and so from a Buddhist perspective, Reno is ignorant. She fails to recognize the larger ground of pure awareness that her dramas play out on. Reno simply rejects what is difficult and painful, and she grabs onto other things for solidity and comfort and security. She desensitizes herself so she doesn't have to feel all her emotions from pleasure to pain and she labels things good or bad and she's trapped in a dualistic mind and that's what happens when we're asleep you you judge things you judge others you judge yourself you are deeply unpresent you are i find yourself a little addictions and you find yourself caught in a lot of illusions and, oh my God, I have written in my notes. It's like if Reno was Ariana Grande and Sandra was Pete Davidson, like, you know what I mean? So like to sum up their relationship, you know? And so when we're asleep and we're, when we're ignorant, we are disconnected from our true nature and we suffer. We create versions of reality and of people in our heads that are untrue. And we get attached to those versions and, 
it really takes a toll on human connections and developing authentic relationships. We want others to be as they're not and in ways we see ourselves as we're not. We're ignorant to our our bad habits and we're ignorant to how we may be hurting others and we may be ignorant to how we're showing up and supporting those who we love. And those are examples of how sometimes those are the things I experience when I find myself detaching from reality because I don't want to deal with it. If something is painful, I don't always go sit and pray on the meditation cushion. I go buy an extra large cold brew and then go to the used bookstore and buy 10 books so I can go get lost in a fictional world that that is much different from the one I'm scared to be present in right now. And this novel led me to all these discoveries and these questions, and I don't always know how to answer the questions these books propose for me. Luckily, I have a therapist that I bring these questions to him, but mostly I, I just like inquiry, and I like to contemplate these questions and contemplate what these books and characters mean for me, because most of the times... I like parts of them that I think that I have in myself and they're not always good qualities or embracing love and in this world. And so this novel is ultimately leading me to ask an open-ended more question of what happens when we work with learning to open to our experiences, facing and working with ourselves as we are. What happens when we stop trying to make ourselves different, the people around us different, our experiences different than what they truly are? And I love what John Wellwood writes about in this book, Towards a Psychology of Awakening. He writes, enlightenment is not some ideal goal, perfect state of mind or spiritual realm on high, but a journey that takes place on this earth. It is the process of waking up to all of what we are and making a complete relationship with that. I desire for the character of Reno to wake up because I also desire for myself to wake up so I can live freshly in the moment, in the true nature of reality. For myself, I desire a complete awareness and openness to all situations and emotions, to all people, to all experiences. And I see that same desire in Reno. And reading characters in novels for me sometimes is like looking at past versions of myself in difficult or tough situations. (laughs) I don't even know if that makes sense. But I started meditating as a practice to develop this complete awareness to all situations and emotions. And like I said, according to Buddhism, ignorance is the failure to recognize the larger ground of pure awareness, that pure awareness of our original nature, our Buddha nature, or our Christ nature, our natural belonging and security. So like the character of Reno, It's easy for me to imagine that life is simply happening to me, that I have no choice in this dream. 
Yet according to Buddhist contemplative psychology, that's not true. Our experience of reality, of how we see things and what they mean to us, how we feel and respond to them is largely constructed by the mind. As an ancient tantric text reads, the mind is that which creates both imprisonment and liberation, confusion and awakening. So it is essential to know this king which generates the experience. And I don't mean to go to the commodifiable, commodified, I don't even know if that's I'm saying that right, but this culture on Instagram of maybe toxic positivity that if you can only change your thoughts, your life will be better. And what I get from Buddhism that I, I enjoy is, yes, I would love to work on changing thoughts of breaking out of limiting beliefs and negative self-talk, but it's really showing up for myself and am I able to just sit with myself in pain and pleasure and hug myself when I need to and offer myself words of love or moments of silence or a brisk walk in nature to to comfort myself. I I, I want to make sure that I can show up for myself in the most loving and beautiful and harmonious ways. And if anything, if anything actually comes from this episode, it is, it is about, I want, I want everyone to show up for themselves in pure loving awareness. And that can either mean sitting on the meditation cushion or in some cases buying yourself that cold brew or in some cases going on a walk in nature. It looks different for everyone and for different circumstances calls and different circumstances calls for different things. But ultimately it's about realizing that beneath this body and beneath the thoughts that are produced in our mind that we do belong and there is a sense of goodness and pure loving awareness there that we always can be in touch with and finding how we can be in touch with that and connect to that in those times where you want to detach from reality or when you don't want to admit that you're seeing someone for what they're not because you're having trouble letting go of that idea of them or, you know, like all that deep shit that I don't really feel like reminiscing about. I'm going to say reminiscing because I've fucking been there, but this is an incredible journey I'm on to learn to show up in myself because the mind is that which creates both imprisonment and liberation confusion and awakening so it is essential to know this king which generates all of our experience yeah